Hey family, it's your sister Jocelyn here, and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We are so glad that you are here and want you to know that we're committed to helping you strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and discover a sense of community. And we do so in a variety of ways by connecting you with a team of Christian counselors and also equipping churches to start trauma healing ministries across the country. You can learn about these resources and so much more by visiting our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. Now today, I am excited to welcome my mentor, my sister to the show, who I had the opportunity to work with professionally, but now we're doing some great things in ministry together, and she is going to bless us in this conversation today, talking about in a very important topic around healing from toxic work culture. Now, she has an amazing experience working in a variety of professions. Elaine Robinson Beatty is an inspirational speaker, leadership coach, and trainer. Her passion in creating diversity, inclusion, and equity in the workplace is what drives her. She uses cultural humility and intelligence concepts to equip leaders to excel in today's multicultural workplace. She spent 21 years as a senior executive of a Fortune 500 company in the hospitality industry, working across the United States and Canada. She addresses organizational development, team building, conflict, diversity, equity, inclusion, and promoting women in leadership. And she's doing some other projects, too, that you're going to hear about on the show today. So I'm very excited. I'm blessed to have her on the show with us today. Thank you so much, Elaine, for joining me. Thank you for having me. It is so good to be here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm pumped about this topic because it's close to home and it's come across my desk many times where people are talking about how they've struggled with toxic work environments. And so before we get into the topic at hand, first, I just want our listeners to learn a little bit more about you. So let's start there. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what's some of the industries you've worked in. Thank you, Jocelyn. Thank you for having me. I am a good old New York girl, born in Brooklyn, raised in Manhattan, had the opportunity to go to college in Boston. I had the wonderful, wonderful opportunity to attend Simmons College, which is an all women's college. And I have to say that's probably where I had the opportunity to really fall in love with women. And I really enjoy being with women, supporting women. And as you so said in my introduction, I really enjoy supporting women in leadership. 21 years in management and leadership, particularly in the industry of hospitality, but working in nonprofit, faith-based and community-based organizations allows me to understand and work with leaders across many industries. So again, North, South, East, West, I understand diversity, inclusion on lots of different levels. That's great. Awesome. And so you've seen a lot of things. You've seen probably workplaces that are amazing to work at. Sure, you came across some work environments where you were like, oh, there's a lot going on here. It, it might be a little toxic. And that brings me to our conversation for today. If we can start off by you describing what is some elements of a toxic work environment? What does that look like? And uh, yeah, just give some examples of that. Yes, I would probably say in one word, a toxic 
environment is an unsafe environment, unsafe. A toxic environment is an environment where you walk in and you feel unsteady, uneasy, where you feel anxious, where you sense hostility in the air. You literally have physical and emotional reactions to what is either being said or unsaid. And quite frankly, no one should have to work in an environment like that. Wow. I've, I've felt that when you described it. And I, sadly, I've been there before, and I'm sure many of our listeners have as well. And so tell me a little bit about your experience. If you've ever had an experience, I want to assume, in a toxic work environment and how you navigated that. Actually, I have. And, and as you say, sadly, and unfortunately, was was recently, you know, you think you get up in management and leadership, and particularly when I teach leadership in management, I was managed by a younger, and I will say white male, and he had a administrative assistant who was, and I'll say this, OCD. So she had a particular way she wanted things. And I was the senior overseeing 25 staff members. And I had a particular way I wanted to do things. And we disagreed on several key issues and we just did not see eye to eye. And I would probably say a lot of that was probably generational differences. I was probably 20 years older than he was. The bottom line was we just did not agree. And the way it came across was very hostile. I would walk in the office and he would literally like start tapping his watch. I would walk into the office and she would throw her shoulder like in sheer disgust at my presence. And I thought, oh my, I've never had anybody be disgusted at my presence. I could go on and on, but those are just a couple of examples. I mean, I'm an adult. I am in leadership over 30 years now at this point. You don't have to tell me what time I need to come to work, particularly when I work 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. It's, it's just unnecessary, particularly when I am clear about my job description. Right. And I appreciate you saying that because when you are an executive, you do work when you're not at work half the time, you know, 12, 13 hour days. And so I'm sure just those examples in of itself say a lot about how that was toxic. It was unhealthy. It was unsafe for you. So how did you navigate that season in your life? I had a therapist. I had a therapist. I talked to my therapist. I talked to friends. I prayed my way through. I talked to him. Thank God I did have some people on site who knew him and they shared with me how they worked with him and with her. And the woman actually was a problem. She was the problem. And many people actually skirted around her. And I actually went to human resources and reported her because it seemed like many people were afraid of her. She was intimidating and I was not going to stand for that. I don't know why people never did, but I wasn't going to stand for that. So that's what we need to do. We need to report people like that. They cannot go 
on unreported. Yeah. When you said that, a word that jumped out to me was accountability. And when people, even if they're in leadership position, they still can't treat people any old type of way, as uh, some of my elders would say. You have to still treat people with dignity and respect, which intimidation (laughs) is not a method to accomplish that. And so kudos to you for having the courage to do that, because that's scary. Sometimes you can fear retaliation when you report someone and it's just not easy to do, but I'm glad you did. And what lessons did you learn from that season in your life, especially in hindsight after going through that? I wish I had reported him and the young lady earlier. I thought that I could talk my way through because, again, having been in senior leadership, I know that communication is very important and I value relationships and I value speaking directly to people that I might be in conflict with. But it was clear that he was not wanting to resolve the conflict and I wished I had brought human resources in earlier. I think the lesson here is we need to try and resolve it as quickly as possible when you can't bring in a third party sooner than later and recognize that it's abuse. It is abuse. Call it what it is. And if it's not resolved, get out, Mm. get out. Speak to that. Yeah. Because I think Sometimes there's so many factors that people have to weigh when they're deciding if they should leave or should they stay. Sometimes I refer to the golden handcuffs when you have benefits and, you know, they ha- it pays you well and, and it's stability. But you're sitting here like saying my mental health is at risk. I'm about to either end up in jail for snapping off at somebody at this workplace or I'm going to lose my mind. And so what do you say to that? Someone who feels like I'm in a toxic work environment. I am taking steps to try to advocate for myself, which I want to talk a little bit more about this later, about advocacy for for change. But say, for instance, you've taken all the steps and still it stays toxic. And now they feel like I'm putting my family at risk if I'm leaving. All these things. What, what do you say to that person who is afraid of leaving? There is a God. There is a God. There is a God who knows you, who has cared for you thus far and he will care for you now. God is not, as my girlfriend said, a child abuser, okay? He is not a child abuser. You pick up your bag and you walk out the door because that environment is not healthy. So we have to take care of ourselves. We teach people how to treat us. And if we stay in an abusive environment, we allow people to continue to abuse us. I have a girlfriend that I have just recently talked through this with, and she got the courage and she spoke to her boss and she resigned. And today is her last day. Mm, Shout out to your sister. Yes. I just talked to her this morning. Today is her last day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I know that she had to go through. And she's scared, but she's a believer and she's going to be okay. She will. She will. And I think that's such a huge lesson in terms of knowing our value. Mm -hmm. I know this is like an aside, but I I think about this as relates to a whole bunch of things that take place in life. When you're being mistreated by a company, even as a customer, you don't have to stay there and take terrible service. 
knowing your value, whether you are working for someone, whether you are in a, re- a romantic relationship, whatever the case may be, you're not stuck. You don't have to stay in an unhealthy, abusive situation. And, and so good for her. And for anyone who is listening right now, I'm, I'm hoping that you're taking notes if you're in that situation because you're not stuck. You have a choice. And we have choices. We have choices. And whether it's personal, professional, whatever, we are all to be celebrated and honored and respected. We all are supposed to be that. And if we're not, then we need to pick up and go. Yes. Yes. Amen. Hey, family, we are taking a quick commercial break for you to hear why people are so excited about the trauma healing ministry that we help them to start in their community. The trauma healing has actually given us an opportunity to truly share some of the pain that we've gone through that has caused us to be in this place. I think the use of scripture and truth, along with um, stories that are relatable, begin to start the dialogue for women to be able to recognize and be able to connect the fact that he is in their circumstances um, with whatever situation. With this trauma healing groups, we've been able to see people shed their masks and really just open up and share things that they too didn't even realize. And the transformation from the participants really um, included just being able to bring their heart to Jesus. What's amazing is some of them came with particular hurts or wounds that they wanted to share. It allowed me to be free with some deep-rooted things that I never spoke and know that it was all right for me to speak them. Being able um, to recognize their emotions from the very start. There was no judgment. It more or less said that this is okay, that this is what's needed. Just the, the power from being in the room with other women, recognizing that it's okay to share our hurts. It's, it's good to be able to recognize what is a safe place and to be able to take all of those hurts to the cross. They realized it's something different that they were there to share. And they found healing in ways that they didn't expect. But once I got to that place of understanding how this kind of really does work, I had a moment of complete um, release. In that release, I was able to truly open up, even if it wasn't to anyone but to me and God, but to truly open up about some of the things that I had been suppressing or trying to suppress for years. Every little bit about it is a soft breaststroke that all combines to make just a really beautiful picture. For them to be able to see the different two and have some of the tools that the Trauma Healing Institute implements are very helpful. I'm always surprised how God is using this. So it's, it's a good place to be. Learn how you can get a trauma healing group started in your community by visiting faithonthejourney.org. And so question as a follow-up, because some people, they might get to that point where they're thinking about leaving, but they might not have taken a couple steps beforehand to make that decision, which is backing up to say, advocate for yourself, maybe talk to human resources. Is there anything else that you would say that someone might consider doing before making that decision to to transition? We have to do some self-examination, right? We, We need to ask it, what is my part in this? Have I really had the conversation with the person, right? And and quite frankly, the, it might be so abusive or so toxic, we may not be able to talk to them. And this is where we need to make sure that we have a third person. It may not be safe enough. So we always need to make sure that we are 
in a place and we have someone to back us up. So don't put yourself in a dangerous situation. Do not put yourself in a dangerous situation. Step back. You may not be able to do it face to face. You might have to do it in a Zoom situation. Do not put yourself in a dangerous situation. Put some space, do it by phone. Do not do it by text do not do it in writing. Don't do that. Oh, I, I have a follow-up question because I was actually thinking for certain things, documentation, you wanna be strategic around that, but believe your point is completely valid that certain conversations you need to have it you know, mouth to ear versus yes. in written form. So can you distinguish the difference between those times where you need to have the verbal conversation and times in which you might need to put certain things in writing or even create a paper trail for whatever might take place? Yes, I think when you are having the conversation with the person, explaining to them about the situation, for instance, when I was saying to the gentleman who was tapping as my boss, you know, tapping, I said to him, you know, you're making me feel as if I don't know what my job is. I am responsible. I know what my job is. I, I come in and I get the job done. Is there something that's not being done? You know, so I was having this conversation with him. Tell me what I'm missing. You know, so we were having this conversation. What I be then began to do was to document the disrespect and the disrespectful actions that I felt were hostile. And then I went to Human Resources and I shared the dates and the actions that made me feel again, disrespected or uncomfortable. And I brought those down to human resources so that I could have a conversation with them. And I wasn't emotional and hysterical and things like that. I think that's important too, because when conveying what's going on with you, being able to collect your thoughts when it's really in an emotional situation, but you, you need to be able to convey to an HR, someone else what's going on. And so timing, documentation is important. And then again, having your, your story straight. And then I heard you say also self-evaluation too, when uh, going through this whole process. And this is a lot, this is a lot for someone who's experiencing something like this. And I, I want to speak to that a little bit more in terms of the side effects, if you will, the, the emotional response that someone has to this type of abuse or toxic work environment. What does this do to someone who's experiencing it? So much. I mean, I couldn't sleep. Uh, my girlfriend, for instance, you know, has lost weight. She's lost like 15 pounds. Certain people end up having stress reactions where they end up losing words. I mean, stress reactions come in so many different ways. Gain weight, lose weight. The reactions are, are many. So be careful and pay attention to how your body is reacting. And unfortunately, we tend to stuff our feelings in many ways. Excessive drinking, drugs, sex, shopping, spending money, all the addictions, you know, start to like come out. And that's when we have to start paying attention to like, what is our response to what is happening to us? Yeah, that's a sign. 
If you can't sleep, you're losing weight, gaining weight, you feel like you're just mentally losing it, something's wrong. And if you're seeing that you're in a, a work environment where as soon as you walk in the door, you start having heart palpitations and everything, sign. <laughs> and you come home and you pull out that bottle of wine and you start drinking at home and you like another glass and another glass. And that's all of a sudden you just all you've had. You have no you had no dinner. It's real. That is so real, you know, and it's so the hope is if someone's in this environment, they do take this, these steps that we talked about. And eventually you get the environment either changes through the advocacy work that you've done or um, you are out of that situation, uh, physically removing yourself. And if you do, then my question is, how do you heal from it? Because just because you move from that environment, there was so much trauma experienced from that, that now you have to continue the work around healing. So spend a little time talking about your process of healing from that. And what other steps would you encourage someone to take who just recently got out of a toxic work environment? Again, as I said, I really believe in therapy and I was seeing a therapist and I really believe in therapy Therapy is the answer, as well as having very good friends to talk to. Now, unfortunately, we have to be careful that we just can't just keep repeating and wearing our friends out with these situations. So I really believe in professionals. I also believe in the power of prayer. And so hopefully, if you're not connected to a faith community, you have a pastor or some type of spiritual advisor that you can share your story with and they can walk with you through this. It really is a deep wounding that needs care. And we know the power of prayer. And it's not something that goes away overnight. It is a process. It is a process and you have to take care of yourself. And it's not just prayer and it's not just therapy. We have to really press into self-care. There is the, and it sounds pretty basic, but there is eating well and sleeping well and you know, exercising, all those things work together to repair our mind, our body and our soul. Beautiful. I, I love that, Elaine. Those are really practical things that someone can do. And as you mentioned, it's a process. It's a journey. You just didn't get to that point overnight. So making yourself a priority, giving yourself space and time for this important work to recover from something like this is so important so that you don't take it into your next work environment. I remember going through a traumatic experience with someone in the workplace where it was betrayal involved and I had trust issues for quite some time. And I realized I am doing a disservice to my company and, and myself if I'm walking around with this barrier where I don't trust anyone. And so I had to do some self-work and reflection and say, Jocelyn, you need to heal from what happened two, three years ago, or else you're not going to be the leader that you desire to be. So I can't emphasize enough how important this is for you to do the work that Elaine describes if you've experienced that type of hurt in the workplace so that God can fully use you and you can operate from a place of love and peace and hope for those that you serve. So now I want to transition into some of the work that you're doing outside of just 
the the walls of an actual establishment. Now you have a new podcast called Lead Her, which I love the name. Yes. <laughs> and so can you talk a little bit more about that? What the focus is of your podcast? Lead Her Talks is a podcast addressing leadership issues that we had wished we had known in our earlier years. For instance, what is mentorship and sponsorship? That was our second episode. The value of having mentors and sponsors. So every episode, we talk about the things that we wish we knew in our earlier years. So cool. Where were you like eight, 10 years ago, Elaine, with this podcast? <laughs> I, I definitely encourage people to check it out because it's such a blessing to hear from wisdom, years of wisdom, because you can learn from other people's mistakes <laughs> if you take heed to certain advice, right? And so I'm excited to check it out. I listened to your first episode and was like, this is good stuff. <laughs> So, And what's really fun about it is that we talk from two perspectives, from the corporate perspective and the perspective of the church. And so we really hope that people will really gain from both perspectives. Yes. And I, I'm glad you said church because even though I've been using examples around corporate, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about applies to the church too. You know, churches have staff and churches can have toxic work environments as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And it stings even more and even deeper. Yes, because it's your spiritual leader who is involved in that. And so just trying to separate the fact this is my pastor, but also my boss. And right now, my boss, I'm ready to strangle. I can't sit here on Sundays <laughs> with them. Yes, that's rough. And people are homeless, spiritually homeless because of that. Oh, Elaine, you said, I can't let you just drop that mic there and not say something to that. Can you say a little bit more about the spiritual homelessness as a result of that? Yes, people work in churches or people volunteer in churches and they work or volunteer under people who don't have good leadership skills and they get hurt and they go away and they don't resolve the, the issue. There's no reconciliation and they go away. And they have been in this church for 10, 15 years. And now they have nowhere to go and they're literally homeless. And it's a sad thing. So sad, Elaine. And I mean, for that person who's listening right now saying, this is me, this is my situation, what words of advice would you offer them? I would sincerely ask them to pray and to remember that the Bible is about reconciliation. That is why Jesus came down to earth. We are a people of reconciliation. Ask God to help you to resolve in your heart and understand that grace abounds to ask God to show you how to resolve in your heart. People are people. People are people. Nobody is perfect. We are all moving toward perfection and forgive. Those are some great words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Elaine. I am so grateful for you just being so transparent and real about this topic. And for those who've 
enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to reach out to Elaine on her website or on social media, ElaineSpeaking.com or Elaine Speaking on Facebook and follow some of the great things that she is doing. And you can also check out more information about her podcast. We'll have a direct link to that in the show notes. But Elaine, this has been such an amazing conversation that I'm having you back for part two next week, right? Yeah, there we're going to be talking about collective leadership trauma next week, which is a real topic. So you all stay tuned. Come back next week. But thank you, uh, Lane, for for being on the show with us today. Uh, I've really learned a lot from this conversation. Great. Thank you so much. And blessings to you and your ministry. You're doing great work. And I am so proud of you. Thank you, Elaine. And thank you all for tuning into this episode of Faith on the Journey. I hope you were blessed by it. And if you were, you know what to do. Please leave a five-star review, subscribe on our YouTube channel, and share this with a friend so we can help to get this message out to the world. Also, as Elaine spoke about earlier today, if you're looking for a Christian counselor to help you heal from an experience like this, we would love for you to consider us. And you can learn more about our counseling services by visiting us at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. So that's it for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon, family. Mm -hmm.